Woo! Hey, baby! <laughs> Time for another little Q&A episode, uh, only for Patreon or however else you're subscribing, only for Sovereign Tech subscribers. Uh, you're the only people that get access to this, and also, in many ways, you're the only people that get to ask the questions uh, so <laughs> they can come into me. And I want to, I want to. well, first off, let me say that uh, you may be noticing, again, kind of the, the slight lack in audio quality. Uh, I am on the H1 still. Uh, if you heard me mention, I think I mentioned it on Sex and Science Hour last week um, in the opening that I said, you know, we, we had, uh, Stephanie and I had a family uh, emergency to deal with and, and we're kind of, you know, we're, we're still dealing with it. Uh, so that's why I'm still on location, still using the H1, uh, this week, but, and don't worry today when you hear this, uh, there will be a new sex and science hour coming out today. Uh, that may also be on the H1 or maybe we'll have something else set up. Um, but you know, we'll, I'll be back in the studio soon enough. Uh, you'll probably this week, sovereign tech will also probably be on the H1, but again, uh, you know, I'll be back in the studio soon enough. Uh, so, but nobody's really complained. <laughs> in fact, last week's episode of Sovereign Tech was uh, exceptionally popular. Uh, a lot of people really, really enjoyed it. And I did the whole thing um, on the H1. And I also, uh, I also did, what, what did I release at, at the end there? I released, and we're going to get to a question about it uh, in this, in this Q&A episode. Um, but I, I did a, a montage of all of the intro segments that I've made over the years, uh, you know, that, that all, you know, intros to each segment of the show, you know, uh, hack sec, uh, tech roulette, uh, and all of that, which I've been doing since episode 75, which boy, we're almost up to episode 200, a regular sovereign tech. How about that shit? Huh? <laughs> I, I can't believe it. Um, but I do want to say something else, uh, you know, speaking about questions and about these episodes in general, you know, I am, I am summarily impressed at just how feature-rich Patreon itself is. Now, like I said last week, uh, you know, I'm not completely reliant upon, um, uh, you know, Patreon, because if I need to, I can, I have a whole extra way set up, you know, to, to allow uh, Sovereign Tech subscribers to get this content, and obviously a million other ways to keep in touch with me and all of that. Um, all, you know, all of that's, that's very, very uh, very easy to set up if need be. So, because I don't like to rely on third parties for really as, as much as I can. I mean, I, I just don't, I don't want to, but, uh, but boy, Patreon's got it all. And even their mobile app, I reinstalled their mobile app, which they, they had, a, they've had a mobile app come out like a year ago and it, it didn't do much. Like more or less you could check on things and you could kind of get like notifications about, you know, how you're doing on, uh, on, on Patreon, which by the way, we're up to in uh, a great listener, actually a great guy, uh, had, had, had tweeted at me and said, it's like, I just want you to know that your, uh, your Patreon, uh, level is up to $69. <laughs> Good old 69. Oh, one of my favorites. Um, but yeah, yeah. Anyway, yeah, that, that's really cool. But so you used to be able to just do that, but now, now there's a whole messaging service in that, and I've had people use the messaging service. Uh, you know, it's kind of like a private messenger. I mean, it's not encrypted or anything, um, but it's there. You can leave comments on the sounds. Uh, you can you can uh, like, you know, or, you know, heart uh, the sounds and all of this. I mean, th there's not, I don't know how they're, I'll be honest with you. I don't know how exactly they're pulling this off. Like, I can upload. There doesn't seem to be a limit. I've looked through their terms of service and all that and, you know, and their facts and like to see... I mean, if I wanted to, 
I could I could put I could post everything of Sovereign Tech on Patreon for free. Other than the fact that, you know, obviously they, they make money off of the donors that I get. Uh, but that that's mind-boggling to me. You know, because I, I, I pay a little bit to have it on, on SoundCloud. Uh, and I can't see leaving that because SoundCloud integrates so well with so many other services, it only makes sense to use it. Including Patreon. Uh, like the regular Sovereign Tech episodes that I post on Patreon, they, you know, they, they go right on, you know, all I have to do is, is share the link and then the player goes right onto the main Patreon page. Uh, it's really slick. I mean, you know how that works, but effectively I could put, you know, every episode of Sovereign Tech on Patreon and Patreon alone. Now that, I mean, granted, you know, I'm only 200 episodes. I mean, as far as the amount of gigabytes that the MP3s themselves uh, would take up for that, I mean, I... You know, I, I doubt it's more than a few gig, uh, you know, including all the specials and everything. So I wouldn't be taking up a lot of space, but I could see some people like putting up videos. I mean, and, and you can put videos up on all that. I just I, I don't know how they how they offer that for free. I mean, yeah, after a fashion, they're not really offering it for free because, again, they make money off of Patreon subscribers. And that's fine because they're offering a really like I said, this is a really great service. Uh, but I'm just I, I'm. I, I don't I don't get it. Like I, I'm actually kind of concerned, and, and of course there's been some degree of scandals with Patreon uh, in in the past year or so. Uh, but I, I'm I'm just amazed at everything that you can do with that. To have payment processing, to allow content to get especially to subscribers only, uh, you know, just everything that you can do with Patreon. It, it just amazes me. So anyway, thank you so much uh, to everybody that uses it. And if you do want to ask questions, if you want to send questions into me, I'll tell you one of the easiest ways to do it. And, and it's actually a lot easier for me to be able to get back with you. Uh, especially, I mean, because, you know, you're showing me value for value and I'm not saying there's anything wrong if people don't pay for, you know, or don't donate to sovereign tech. That's totally fine. I put it out there, you know, largely for free, you know, except for this content. Um, and I like it that way. But, uh, you know, if you are a, a donator, obviously I want to give you some preferential treatment. I mean, that just makes sense. I hope that makes sense to everybody. Okay. Um, and so if you want to really get in touch with me and have me be able to get back with you pretty instantaneously, you know, using Patreon's messaging service is actually a great way to do it because then I don't lose you in the email clutter. I cannot tell you how many emails I get. Uh, be it stories or whatever, or some people, you know, still ask questions, even though largely I don't do the Q and a, um, on, uh, on sovereign, on sovereign tech proper, <laughs> you know, anymore. I, I, I save it, uh, pretty much for this and that's how it's going to be for, um, you know, for the time being. Um, so, you know, that, that's just, it's a, it's a great way to get in touch with me. And also, you know, the other thing I like about Patreon is that I, and I've said this on sovereign tech before. I think that the future, and we're going to get into some questions here, don't worry, and this won't be terribly, a terribly long episode, but I want to get into quite, into a few questions. And I've got tons, <laughs> believe me, so these are going to be going on for a while. Um, I, uh, uh, I've said on Sovereign Tech before that the, the model, the economic model of the future, in my opinion, okay, at least with people that actually, you know, really believe in genuinely free markets, uh, and, you know, that's a loaded term, but uh, I think pay what you want is the future, you know, and with Patreon, the very nice thing and with Sovereign Tech itself, the very nice thing is, is that I can make it pay what you want. Uh, you know, I have people that donate a dollar. I've had people this past week that, that have, that have upped significantly their Patreon subscriptions. And I appreciate that. 
you know, so I, I like, I love the pay what you want model in some other aspects of what I do, you know, on a business level, I cannot offer that for varying reasons on, on, you know, how on markets that are not free. <laughs> okay. Um, but you know, because, you know, I have total control over my podcasts and, and all that stuff and, and the platforms that it appears on, blah, blah, blah. Uh, I can do the pay what you want model, which I love. Um, so it's, you know, I'm, I'm really glad that I can offer that. And, and folks, I, I don't chagrin or, you know, and any, any of the, the donation amounts whatsoever. So anyway, I just wanted to share that I am really, really honored to be able to do um, you know, pay what you want, uh, with, with Patreon. So there was, cause there was a point where, you know, I was talking over with the lovely and hyper-intelligent Dr. Stephanie Murphy. It's like, well, do we make it $5 a month? Do we make it $10 a month? You know, how to, how do we work this out? I mean, cause we're going to be putting out a lot of content, um, at least once a week, but it's going to be, you know, I want content out there, but it, it's going to be quite a bit more. And right now I'm actually thinking about releases, regular releases, even though this is getting released on a Friday, um, regular releases for bonus content, by the way, is I'm planning on it being Wednesday. Um, because if we meet our goal, which is $500 a month for, you know, through Patreon or whatever else to, to do two episodes of Sovereign Tech, uh, a week, the sec, the, the second episode of Sovereign Tech will be out on Tuesdays. So that means Tuesday, if we reach that goal, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Whoa. I, I kind of let something out of the bag. I shouldn't have mentioned Thursday. Anyway, bottom line is, is that I, there will be, I will have some kind of audio content coming out except for Sunday and Monday. Mm, what's that Thursday thing? Uh, <laughs> we'll be coming out uh, pretty, uh, you know, every week. Uh, so that, that's, that's going to be a lot. Um, but so that's the plan is that you, I'm going to try and make it so that you can count on bonus content. I mean, and it doesn't have to follow that. It can come out other days too, you know, but I want to make sure there's at least something released on Wednesday. So that's my plan for the future on this. And again, a lot of those episodes will be, you know, I will be doing them in in the studio. Uh, it won't always be on the H1. You're not going to have to pay for any kind of inferior audio quality uh, normally. So anyway, even though every episode now so far has been on the H1 uh, for the, for the bonus content, but I know, you know, you guys are, are, are showing value for value. So I, you know, I know that you're really wanting this content or wanting to support, you know, the show overall, uh, whether you listen to this stuff or not. Um, so, you know, I feel a little more confident that you're understanding when I need to be on, uh, you know, on, on lesser equipment, uh, as it were. So anyway, but I, I think I was going to say at some point where, yeah, we were saying, you know, it should be $5, should be $10. And I was like, no, no, I, Whatever people want to do, they can do. You know, it's enough that they show, you know, real support for the show. Um, and so, I, you know, I want to, re, you know, reward that or, you know, fair trade for that, right? <laughs> so anyway, okay, enough of that. I, I've been talking about that crap for uh, for way too long here. Just make sure we're recording good, looking good. Okay, uh, so let's get into let's get into some of the questions here. Um, I had, you know, I had somebody email me about... Uh, about Pokemon Go, that that's been. I, I just want to get this out of the way. I, I really am done talking about Pokemon Go. I'm really done talking about it. Uh, I, I talked about it quite a bit in last week's Sovereign Tech episode 185. Um, but somebody said that, or you know, I brought up the point that it's really not a Nintendo game. And come to find out, the market actually bore that out uh, that it's not a Nintendo game. You know, because 
I, I forget what it was. Nintendo did like a nine billion increase in value in valuation, you know, in in, in the stock markets. I mean, it, it was crazy because people thought, holy shit, this Pokemon Go, you know, this is really exciting, and, and Nintendo's laughing all the way to the bank. Well, then people found out actually it's not really a Nintendo game at all. It's the Pokemon Company, which Nintendo only owns a third of, and it's a Niantic uh, game, which not even Google really uh, really owns. Um, so. You know, I mean, so I, I came to realize before all of that scandal, you know, before, because what happened is, is that the, the, the stock value dropped significantly. In fact, it dropped to levels uh, uh, that were as low as, you know, 1989 levels. I mean, which not to say that that was terribly low, but I mean, it's lower than, than, than what they were used to. Um, you know, so I, I before that happened, I, I realized, I said, well, okay, you know, this is not technically a Nintendo game. You know, other Pokemon games that are going to come out for, you know, for the 3DS, you know, like Sun and Moon that are coming out uh, in, in the fall. Those are actual Nintendo games, uh, blah, 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 blah. But anyway, the, the question, you know, or the point being made by the uh, by the emailer was that this really shows that, yeah, the market speaks even, you know, it's it's completely omniscient. It really speaks even within um, a, you know, a government paradigm because I've made the claim that, look, you know, we really don't have a free market of any kind and you really don't get to see the market speak, uh, you know, in, in the, the world at large right now, uh, unless it's in black markets because, and even then you have the problem of, you know, why are they black markets in the first place? It's because of, you know, government regulations and they're trying to get away from that. And so there's a premium for something being available, you know, kind of instantaneously without having to deal with, uh, with regulations. And, you know, the, and so the point being is that when, when the, when the, you know, society at large found out that Pokemon Go is not really a Nintendo game and it isn't, uh, the, the stock, you know, the, the value of the company drops significantly and properly. So that's, that's, you know, that's the, the free market speaking, right? And yeah, th- there's truth to that, that that's how things should work. But keep in mind that that, that's not always true. And that, that kind of result is exceptionally rare. Um, and I, you know, I've been critical of, of stock markets in general on Sovereign Tech, uh, you know, many, many times. And the reason I think that this is, and this is something I, I just want to, I'll talk very briefly on, and, the, and then I'm going to get into other questions. Um, this is something, you know, there is a reason that I think, whether people realize it consciously or unconsciously, the reason that I think a lot of people are really into video games is because up until recently, and recently meaning up until Gamergate, there was no bullshit. Um, there, you know, there was no, like, there wasn't a lot of cloak and dagger as far as news goes, you know, there wasn't a lot of, there wasn't, um, you know, there wasn't a lot of spin perhaps. Uh, I mean, you had some, of course, you know, various advertisers are paying for such and such a story, you know, to, to, to look good for this game or something, you know, that's happened with GameSpot, not GameStop, but GameSpot, uh, and some others. I mean, you, you know, you've kind of had that sort of thing, but by and large, you know, a game was a game. It's, it's like, uh, the old Henry Rollins saying about, uh, you know, about the beauty of working out, you know, when you pick up the, you know, when you pick up the, the dumbbell, you know, 200 pounds is 200 pounds, uh, <laughs> you know, and, and that's the great equalizer. And yeah, with games, you know, a game was a game and, and you could really, you know, kind of count on it. And there was, there was no real angles that you needed to look at the game either, you know, its mechanics were good or they sucked. 
Um, and but I think you know, point being is that I, I think with with video games in general, you know, it's just it it was an industry for a long time that was no bullshit, and in many ways it still is. Uh, and that's the beauty of it, is that it's an industry that really doesn't get it doesn't have a whole lot of regulation. There's some, I know there's some, but worldwide, uh, you know, a lot of that regulation looks the same, which can't be said for 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 different for many different industries. Uh, but by and large, you know, there, there's really not a whole lot of regulation. And even some of the regulation that exists, like, say, the ESRP ratings, you know, is this an adult game? Is this a teenage for teens and all this stuff? None of that really matters. Like, nobody, in fact, if anything, you know, if you put the M rating on something, it's just going to sell more. <laughs> so, but, but I mean, a lot of that really doesn't hold any genuine bearing. And so the reason I think that when, you know, when people found out that Pokemon Go had very little to do with Nintendo itself, um, and so the stock market, you know, or the stock price dropped, you know, did this, this very precipitous drop uh, is because it's a market that isn't regulated at all. You know, it, but, you know, that that but my point being in saying that I have a lot of points on it <laughs> that I've made already. But my, my main point in saying that is that, yes, this is, a, a you know, a case of where the free market spoke. OK, even on stock prices, it spoke. But you're not going to get that most of the time. And when there's, you know, when you get these great rises and falls, many times that has nothing to do with public sentiment. And it has it has almost nothing to do. It's all stuff that often happens behind the scenes and all that. As to where, yeah, I agree. I think the case with Pokemon Go and with Nintendo's, you know, rise and fall and stock stock value uh, is, yeah, it is, it is the free market speaking. But that is such a rare occurrence today. You know, and that's the point I just want to bring up is that I think it's a very rare occurrence that you actually see, um, you know, that, that sort of thing uh, happen, you know, today. And, but I mean, is it... Is it a, is it proof that the market works, you know, that the free market can work? Yeah, you, you can say that. I mean, and that's important because, <laughs> you know, and, and please, do, you know, don't, well, whatever. You, you know how I, I like to be critical of everything. I question everything. But please don't draw any conclusions from what I'm about to say about who I am. Um, I just want to say, you know, I just want to share this is that, you know, a lot of people talk about, <laughs> I mean, you know, a lot of anarchists, a lot of libertarians and all that. Oh, we get just, you know, the free market will, sor- will solve it. The market will solve it. The market will solve it, blah, blah, blah. And they don't actually come up with any real answers, which is crazy. They just have, you know, this patented answer that kind of sounds like you're saying, oh, it's all in God's hands. It's all in God's hands. And that's not an answer. There's no reason behind that. Uh, you know, reason, not as in a reason, but as in reason, the thing, uh, the concept, you know, it, we when you tell people when anarchists and when and when libertarians and all that when they tell people you know we just need free markets to solve it i mean i think it's a valid question for statists or whatever you know maybe non-market anarchists to ask the question what proof do you have that the market will handle everything what proof do you have that that's better and all that stuff uh and yet you you don't really have much proof there's some, you know, and maybe the Nintendo case is an interesting one to show, you know, that the market can speak. Um, but, you know, because there are practically no, or at least very few, unregulated markets or markets that are not affected by some kind of regulation directly or indirectly, uh, you know, it. <laughs> not that the burden of proof, I mean, the burden of proof is on statism, right? The burden of proof is on them because obviously, you know, statism doesn't work. You know, I mean, and, and it's unethical straight up. So, you know, regardless of what works or what's better for some people or whatever, doesn't that that that's that's inconsequential 
because, you know, as a whole, statism, you can see, is, is an abject failure. Um, and also, it, you know, it, it tramples on human liberties just by its very nature. But, you know, <laughs> it, the argument to say it's like, well, this is what, you know, it's tough. It's tough because so many people want to get into this whole, you know, they, they talk about libertarian paradise and all this. And, oh, you know, if we just had free markets, imagine the world we'd have. Uh, and, you know, the, there's even that great quote, and I love it, by uh, I think it's by Samuel Konkin, you know, of course, the the creator of sorts or the, the namer of, of agorism. Uh, I love his his works, you know, New Libertarian Manifesto and all that. Uh where he said that, you know, if, if we didn't have governments 100 years ago, we'd all be living on our own asteroid with robots serving us or something like that. I think that's kind of the quote. It's a good one. I, I like that. Uh, but at the same time, like, you really don't have, like, there, there's no evidence to say that that's exact, that that's how these things would be. Because a lot of people, when they, you know, when they talk about anarchism, when they talk about libertarianism, and I've fallen into this trap, too, where you say it's like, oh, if we just didn't have governments, imagine what we would have now. Uh, that... I don't know if you want to say that that's kind of a fallacy, but you don't have, you know, you have very little evidence to suggest that that's exactly what would happen. Um, I, so, you know, my argument always is when talking about, you know, liberty ideas and all this stuff, uh, you know, you just say, look, what, what exists now does not work. It tramples on human liberties and whether it's, whether having no government is somehow you know, worse off for humanity in some way. I can't imagine how that is. Don't, don't get me wrong. Okay. The bottom line is, is that you need, you know, humans need choice. They need options. They need to be able to choose. And that's all that you're really, that you can really genuinely argue for is that humans need choice. And it is, I mean, it's absolutely scientifically provable, you know, just how advantageous having choice is. So that that's what's key. That that's what I think people need to argue about is not saying, you know, not trying to trump up some like, you know, libertarian paradise or some, you know, version of free market heaven. But just saying, look, what what we have now just doesn't work. I you know, you, you can't say for certain that 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 the alternative perhaps, you know, would work better, you know, uh, and I've even heard Jeffrey Tucker say that. He says, "Look, I'm not saying that, you know, if we get rid of governments there's going to be some kind of paradise." And good for him for for saying that. Um, but you just got to say, look, people need choice, okay? That's the only ethical thing, you know, that you can really offer them is giving them choice and not trampling on their human liberties. Uh, so, that, that, yeah, anyway, that, that's, that, that's, that's the rub. I, I'm getting way out <laughs> talking about things I didn't plan on talking about um, at all. And, of course, if you have any questions on anything I just said or any disagreement, hey, you know, let me know and I'll talk about it um, on this. And if it gets big enough, maybe it's something I'll even talk about uh, on the main show at some point And, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll break it all down. Um, okay, let's get let's get into some other questions here uh, that that went into that went into an area. I just, you know, again, I didn't plan on. Uh, here's a good technical or quasi somewhat technical question. Um, do you think a person can become proficient in computer programming in less than a year rather than 10 years. Yeah, so I'm guessing the idea of it taking 10 years is in reference to the fact that to become an expert, you got to do something for 10 years. Uh, My answer to this is that, you know, you can become proficient in less than a year. I think that's totally possible, but you're certainly not going to get to expert level. But I don't think it takes 10 years to become an expert at computer programming. 
you know, coding, especially today, holy shit, coding is so much easier. Even if you're just doing Python, you know, it, it's so significantly easier. And there's other great languages out there too. I, I mean, credit to Apple. Swift is very nice. Uh, the Swift language. Rust language is, in my opinion, the number one uh, language for a lot of reasons. It's easily convertible, compatible, and, you know, just has a, a lot of um, a lot of really nice, I don't want to say shortcuts, but yeah, I, I mean, though, th- and those are the directions I would go. If somebody asked me, you know, what, what language would you learn today? I would definitely recommend Rust. Uh, Swift is, is a, is a big deal. <laughs> I have to, I have to admit. Uh, and I think a lot of people, there was that new, that was one of the more interesting things that they announced. I think it was a WWDC that Apple announced where they were, they created an app that, uh, for iPad that kind of taught you Swift on the go, you know, kind of on the fly, uh, no pun intended, but, uh, <laughs> cause it's, you know, simple for Swift as a bird. Um, but, uh, but yeah, the, I think those are the more interesting languages out there right now. Um, you know, and, and maybe, you know, Python, if, if you wanted to, you know, start from, start from the beginning, <laughs> not that that's the beginning. Basic is obviously the beginning. Uh, I mean, you know, one thing I'll tell you, boy, one, if something that would take you 10 years, if you wanted to really be good at assembly and actually create something in assembly language, which I fully support people creating things in assembly language, <laughs> uh, you know, yeah, then you're looking at 10 years, no, no doubt about that. Um, so, so yeah, so that, that, that's my thoughts on the, on computer programming. It, it doesn't take 10 years. You, you can learn in very, a very short period of time, uh, computer programming, but, um, but as far as being a full on expert, that's going to take you a little more time, but being proficient and being able to build things and do all that. No, I, I think you, you can learn a lot of that, um, in really, really short order. Uh, I mean, you know, something I, I've actually been researching is late, uh, in between doing the myriad things that I do. Uh, I, you know, I'll, I'll let this cat out of the bag. I want to make watch games for not just, not for Apple, not just for Apple watch or, you know, or even Android wear, but just in general, the concept, um, I've been, I, that's something I've been toying with, uh, quite a bit, uh, as late because, you know, as I've said on, on the main show many times, I think, I think the watch might become the form factor. You know, we'll just end up going right back to that. <laughs> and I mean, and it's a natural progression to some degree. You know, when new technologies come out there, sometimes those new technologies, you know, take uh, uh, GPS, you know, touchscreens, blah, blah, blah. Uh, you know, these sort of things need a larger form factor just to fit the technology and get people used to it. But as time goes on, things end up getting smaller again. Like I said, you know, the cell phone industry, uh, we were before the iPhone, we were getting into some, I mean, phones so goddamn small, <laughs> I mean, ridiculously small. Uh, and that, that was the progression. That's what people were wanting up until they found this, you know, up until the iPhone. And then they say, Oh, well, you know, for, to, to work, to use this technology, take advantage of GPS and all these different things. Um, you know, we need this form factor right now, but I think we're getting back to the point to where to be able to use all that stuff, the form factor that we can use can actually be a lot smaller than any smartphone on the market today. Uh, you, you know, so, so that's why I think we'll be going back to a watch. I don't, I think, I know a lot of people are big on like what they call hearables, where it's just something that you put into your ear and you interact with it there. Uh, you know, by talking or whatever, and, and, you know, it's kind of all in your head and all this stuff. I think people are going to have the same reaction to that 
that they had with, um, you know, with Google Glass to where in their everyday life and professional fields, very different in their everyday life. They're just not going to see the practicality of it. And if anything, um, you know, they're not going to be able to, to have conversations with people. Uh, I mean, like, like right now, if you want to look something up, say on a search engine or whatever on DuckDuckGo or something, you know, from your smartphone, you'd pull out your smartphone. You could keep having a conversation. You could be looking up something, you know, that is relevant to the conversation. Maybe they're like, Oh, Hey, do you remember one of the show times was blah, 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 blah. And, you know, but as if you're using a hearable, I think that, you know, you're going to have a third person walking into the conversation, even if you're the only one hearing it. I think that's going to cause a lot of problems. So I don't think the world's ready for that. I think there, there's always I really don't think people uh, are, are going to get to the, the whole zero UI thing. Um, there, there's there's going to be something. And zero UI is another term that has, you know, does zero, zero UI mean there just isn't a screen? Or does zero UI mean that you don't do anything at all and everything's predictive? Like every device you use or anything you want to do is just predictive based upon uh, you know what you want. Uh, I don't think either of those are really going to become a reality. Uh, I mean, maybe screenless where you're just, you know, you're making motions with your hands and you look like a magician. I've talked about that before uh, to where, boy, what does that say about... Uh, you know, these old ideas of magic, you know, was there some ancient technology getting used? I'm, I'm just being fanciful with that theory. Um, but, um, you know, I could see that sort of thing happening because those, those user interfaces are being developed. Google has one, Microsoft has one, uh, to where you can, you know, control things just with your hand motions. Uh, but it's, but that's still a UI. That's still something you're using. The thing I don't buy is that everything, you know, will either be in your ear or it'll just be predictive. I, I just, I don't think humans are going to take to that. I could end up being wrong. Uh, but I don't, I don't, uh, I don't think so. And, and to really, to thwart a lot of that, you know, the importance of learning computer programming is so that you have control over these devices, because if you ever get to that zero UI future or that hearables future, or, uh, you know, where there's no UI at all, um, you, you have effectively lost control of your device and you are at the whim of whatever company develops that device or develops that technology. And that's bullshit like that. You do not want that. We were just talking about how you want choices and options. If you don't have control to some level of, you know, what your device can do and all that stuff, which I mean, hearable, I mean, what, maybe they could put one button on that damn thing, you know, or whatever, uh, you know, however it, that all shapes up. I mean, the world is dying from a lack of, of hard switches, uh, you know, as in like on off switches. Um, you know, if you don't have that control, you don't have choice. So, you know, I, I think that's, a, that's just it's a, it's a terrible concept. Um, but learning computer programming, learning how all this stuff works, being able to do some of it yourself, that is quintessential for the future that we're, you know, we're in. Uh, and, and that's, that's, I think some companies want, and I, and I don't think they're positive ones. Uh, so anyway, yeah, great question about the computer programming. Um, here's another, another nice little tech question. Uh, what is your favorite streaming online services and whose services are free? Um, so I don't do a whole lot of streaming and I might be odd or, well, I know that I'm, I, or I guess I, I shouldn't say I know. I guess I'm the oddball in that. Uh, I don't, I don't like Netflix. I don't even use Amazon's, you know, Amazon prime video, whatever. Uh, I don't like Spotify. I don't, you know, I don't use any of that stuff. I like to have, you know, talking about control here, talking about having options. I like to have control of my, you know, of my music, my videos. I want to be able to watch them when the internet's not on. 
Uh, I mean, and there's plenty of times where the internet's not on, folks. <laughs> there, there really is. Um, so I, you know, I really, I keep, uh, I keep all my stuff local. Um, I have, you know, a couple hard drives, multiple, multiple terabytes where I hold on to, to everything that actually means something to me that I could possibly want to watch at any given moment. And I torrent a lot of things, uh, obviously. And, you know, this is another thing with torrents is that I know people get, it was like, oh, well, you're not supporting the artists and all this stuff. It's like, well, but if the artist, you know, if I can't actually own what I even lay down the money for, um, how to put this? Like, I, I see that as a real problem. A lot of times torrenting, a lot of people torrent, and this includes me, download torrents because it's the only way they can actually, like, own what they bought. Take, for example, uh, like uh, comic books, okay? Say say digital comic books, which I think is just a damned wonderful thing because as somebody that's been collecting comic books his whole life, I mean, seriously, cut me, I bleed comic book ink, okay? Uh, <laughs> I really do. You know, as somebody that, that, that's on, I mean, the, the shelves that used to just be covered in comic books, it, it was insane. So digital comic books is a fucking brilliant, wonderful, wonderful thing. Um, you know, but if you buy them from Kindle or wherever else, I mean, you really can't, like, keep them anywhere. In fact, if you ever lost your Amazon account, you're fucked. You're totally fucked. Or if you go through Comixology, same thing. You can't download and hold on to them. I mean, at least some ebook stores let you keep the ebook files and, you know, you can do conversions and they're DRM free and all that. There really isn't like, uh, without, without some, you know, maneuvering and fixing, there is no DRM free option, uh, for, for comic books, you know, from the big, com- from the bigger companies, you know, Image and, uh, uh, Valiant, you know, DC, Marvel, all that. Uh, and, and I think that that's, that's a fucking problem. I mean, that's a huge problem. And my, my only recourse should not be that I go and buy the paper copy. You know, what if I was some kind of, you know, really extreme environmentalist? I don't want paper, <laughs> you know, or may, maybe if I was an extreme environmentalist, I wouldn't read comics. I don't know. Uh, but cause I'm not one, not an extreme one anyway, but, uh, you know, <laughs> I mean, what am I supposed to do? So torrenting, obviously, you know, when torrenting comics, you, you have the, fortunately, you can just keep those CBR files and you can unzip them and you can hold on to the raw JPGs and all this. I mean, it's great. Uh, so, you know, a lot of people torrent just because it gives them control. It gives them choice and options, which is, you know, whatever human wants. Um, so, yeah, so I don't really use any streaming services. Uh, that, I mean, you know, I could recommend some. Like, I think, and please, I don't, you know how I feel about Google, but Google Play Music now it's, you know, the radio stations for it are a free service and you can upload something like 50,000 songs of your own to it. That's great. You know, rock, rock that out. I think that's wonderful. Uh, and even if you're paying for their, uh, you know, for, for YouTube Red, which also gives you Google Play Music all access and all that, um, I think that's probably the best deal in town. Uh, it's like 10 bucks a month and you're getting millions of songs and you get to avoid all those fucking ads on YouTube. Uh, so, you know, I, I think that's the best thing going. And again, I think, uh, I mean, technically YouTube is a separate, is a, you know, technically legally, it is a, a separate company from Google, you know, because now there's the parent company alphabet, right? Um, and I, I've said it many times. I think that eventually alphabet 
will largely concentrate on being an entertainment company through YouTube and Google Play Music All Access. So I think that's the best thing out there. Uh, but but again, this this question is particularly for free. Uh, so Google Play Music again it has the radio stations that are free that you can use, and of course you can upload you know some odd fifty thousand songs of your own. Uh, to use for streaming. So I, I, I think, and, and also it has the podcast service built into it. So I think that's the, that, that's probably the best streaming audio service out there. I don't like giving Google money. Uh, I don't, but I mean, you know, if you need, if you wanted to give the money, that's the best way to go. I don't like giving them more data, uh, but, but, but there it is. And also, you know, if you have an Android device, it's already installed. And, you know, software minimalism is a good thing where you use what's there to, to keep from, uh, you know, more security exploits being created. Uh, you know, go for it. So so that that's probably the best one as far as that goes. Uh, video wise, I mean, I, I just I don't deal with any of these streaming sites generally. Uh, Funimation now as a Funimation, the company that that, you know, like ports anime to English. Uh, well, not, it doesn't just do that, but you know, anyway, Funimation now is a really cool service. If you're really into anime, which I am, um, I, I do use that to, to watch some videos, but I mean that, that, that's really, that's it. Otherwise I don't stream. I, I download, I keep, or, you know, I, I grab the Blu-rays or whatever. And, uh, you know, that, that's just, that's how I roll. Uh, and I, I still purchase music albums here and there when it's necessary because torrents don't have everything. Uh, you know, and, and even if they do have everything, there's a lot of artists that I, I really find it. I think it's super important to support them. Um, and of course, you know, the real way, I mean, the old saying goes, especially with music, if you really want to support the band, go to their concerts, buy their merchandise at those concerts. That is the way that they get money. They really do not get money much in the way of money, uh, around music sales itself. Um, the best thing is to go to the concerts and give them money right there. Uh, so, uh, you know, even on an ethical standpoint of the idea, well, you know, you're starving the, you know, the musicians and all that. It's like, well, not exactly. <laughs> you know, if, the way you're really starving them is if you, you know, if you don't go see them in concert or something. So, you know, going to concerts is very important, obviously well worth the money to go do that. Uh, okay. So I think that covers it for the streaming services. I think I answered that, that question. Um, what else do we have here? I know you didn't pay for me to hear me go dum 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 dum. All right, here's a couple of good questions. These are ones. These are actually follow-ups or or sequels to part of the same question that some of which I got or I had answered last week. Let's see here. Yeah, okay, this is a fun one. You've talked about intentional societies or intentional communities beyond the FSP. Of course, that's the Free State Project. Uh, and the weirdness going on there currently, which that's a long story, <laughs> stallion breaking in. Uh, are you considering other intentional societies or intentional communities? Um, yeah. So, so I, I guess the question is, is like, do I plan on on moving to any other intentional communities or societies? I know some people bristle at the word communities because they equate it with communism. Boy, if you've got that issue. Uh, yeah, n- not really. <laughs> like not any that are set up. I know there's one, there's some Liberty city getting built or, you know, getting or town getting set up in Norway, which I think some people might find ironic, but I, I think there's actually some sense to it. Uh, what is there? Um, I don't know. There's, there's a few others. There's a Galt's Gulch, which I don't know, even know if that's really still a thing. That's a goddamn clusterfuck. Uh, I wouldn't get involved with anything like that. Um, 
Yeah, no, I, I mean, there's not, there's nowhere else really on the planet that I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to move there for this community or whatever. The thing that I would do, uh, I would, I mean, I would certainly, for lack of a better phrase, I would create my own. Um, I would, you know, I, and, and creating my own, I mean, you got to understand like my thoughts at some point I need to, I've had people ask me, uh, you know, do you have like, do you have five or six, maybe eight episodes that really break down, you know, my ideology and all that. Uh, because, you know, folks, I don't consider myself an anarcho-capitalist. Uh, I certainly don't consider myself an ANCOM, you know, an anarcho-communist. I don't consider myself a mutualist, really. Uh, you, you know, there's there's a, there's so many terms that get bantied about, and I think a lot of people try and kind of try and peg me down. And, and, and that's, uh, <laughs> try and peg me. Uh, <laughs> um you know, and, and I get that, and I, I suppose at some point, and it'll probably be content for Sovereign Tech subscribers, maybe I would put it out just as a tease uh, for, you know, for other listeners. Um, I could put something like that together. I mean, the closest term that I identify with is an egoist anarchist, which is the school of Max Stirner, which kind of falls in line with individualist anarchism, but that's that's a really broad term. Um, but egoist anarchism is really what I identify with the most uh, as far as that goes. So anyway, my, my point in bringing that up is like, you know, so like, what do I even see as like, you know, what, what is the kind of society that I'd want to live in? Well, egoist anarchism has a concept called the union of egoists. And that's, that's where, and I've talked about that many times on Sovereign Tech. I've brought that up. That's how you organize. That's how you set things up. In my opinion, then what is, what is the, what, what does, this is interesting because this is becoming a theme and I didn't for this episode and I didn't plan on it. What does a union of egoists offer to people coming together? What it offers is pure choice, pure options. And that is, is that once somebody does not like what the union of egoists is doing, say it's a group of 10, 12 people, or however many, they walk away and the union no longer exists, you know, like, or at least not for that person. And they can just walk away, no questions asked, no problem. You know, it's just not meeting their needs. It's not what they want to be a part of anymore. And they just go and there's no penalties for such. That's the union of egoists. It's the ultimate in choice in organizing, in my opinion. Um, so, you know, I, I mean, my, you know, my dream intentional society or community, you know, is based around the concept of the union of egoists. And or the union of individuals is another term I think that gets used for it. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it would be very few people and we would just, you know, find a spot that everybody likes, you know, find a spot somewhere. Honestly, probably it would be in New Hampshire because I think New Hampshire, I mean, regardless of the Free State Project, I think New Hampshire is one of the most beautiful places on planet Earth. There are a few places I would call more beautiful uh, as far as ones I've been to. Yeah, I think Yellowknife. Northwest Can Northwest Territory in Canada is probably the most beautiful place on earth. Uh, Greenland's another nice place. I've been tempted. I I've genuinely, I, I am not joking. Uh, I am so cryophilic. I would live in Greenland. Like I, I would totally, you know, what, like if, if, a, you know, 10 people or however, you know, even less or a little bit more said to me, it's like, all right, let's go put a little, you know, a little society together. Uh, I, I, we think Greenland would be a great idea. I am so fucking on board for that. I am not kidding. Let's do this. Uh, but it would probably be in New Hampshire and, you know, it would just, you know, buy a little bit of land and whatever exists outside of that land, you know, or whatever goes on, whatever, I mean, people do whatever the fuck they want. Just, you know, leave us alone and, and, you know, make it, 
off the grid in so many ways, not just, not necessarily, you know, with electricity or, I mean, that could get interesting, but just like, you know, have a, you know, a, a local area network that everybody connects with there, maybe have one point where, you know, perhaps it connects to the big bad internet or something, but that'd be a very uh, controlled uh, or secured, not controlled. We don't want to, you know, it's not about, it's not like North Korea. <laughs> okay. But just like a very secured gateway, you know, that, that connects to that. Um, and an optional one at that, you know, and, and all that stuff. I mean, I, I could go on and on about how I would set that sort of thing up, but I'm not a central planner. Um, I'd let a lot of things go organically, but just do best practices as far as, you know, security digitally and, and perhaps otherwise. Uh, but that's it. You know, I, I, I cannot imagine that any, you know, anybody that that's setting up some kind of intentional community or society. Uh, and there's some great ones out there, you know, I, I'm, I'm not knocking them. Um, anybody that wants to set that sort of thing up, I mean, largely they, they're trying to make a profit off of it. For, not all of them, but a lot of them are trying to make, you know, especially in the more libertarian and cap circles, they are trying to make a profit off of doing that. And so they, they are wanting a lot of people involved. Okay. And that just by its very nature does not appeal to me. Not anymore. Um, you know, there was an advantage to the free state project at one point. Uh, it's turned into the free state project is just, I mean, it's turned into one asshats fiefdom. In, in many ways, at least ideologically. And, and I just, you know, I, I really don't identify it with much anymore. However, as a byproduct of that, there are a lot of like-minded people around me. So, uh, you know, so regardless of how the free state project is an organization is New Hampshire is still like, if you want to, to live around people that get it, that understand taxation is theft and all this other crap, uh, this is the place to be. So why wouldn't I want to, even if I wanted an intentional society, you know, sub community within a community, this would be the place I'd want it. Um, so, you know, if I were to ever do it, there's nothing else out there that, that really interests me. Uh, and, and to some, you know, I, I hate to use this example, but New Hampshire is kind of like Facebook, uh, in the abstract in that, you know, you have the network effect, the people that are on the way to either getting as far along ideologically as I like to, or, you know, or the direction, I shouldn't say farther along, uh, but the direction that I, that I go in ideologically are going to be here. Whether they came that way initially or not, or, or, you know, for whatever reason that they came here, they're just, they're going to be here because, I mean, you know, there's just that, there's that network effect uh, that's happened in New Hampshire. But that's the beauty is, is that you can, um, you know, you, you can make, you can make communities within communities. You can make sub-communities, right? Subcultures, even, if you want to use that term. Uh, so that, that's, that's really uh, the direction I'd go. Let's see, how long, how long are we going here? Oh, good heavens, 46 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Great Satan. What, what am I doing here? Um, all right. I, I'm going to do one more. I'll do one more question. And, uh, and then, then we got in a couple of good tech questions. And I, I think I talked about Pokemon Go for too long. Like I said, I'm really not going to talk about that much anymore. Uh, I'm, I'm so tired of it. Uh, okay, here we go. Religion is probably the earliest form of governments, followed by governments claiming divine rights, followed by we just rule you, get over it. <laughs> uh, no question uh, except how the hell do people not see this? So that, that's what the emailer was asking is like, how do people not recognize uh, that religion is, is the earliest form of government and that there is this natural progression of governments? Um, yeah, how do people not see it? You know, it's, it's a real... 
it's a really interesting concept. I agree that that religion in many ways is the is the original government. Um and I don't know how this happened. I don't I don't exactly, you know, and and I maybe we can never know. I don't know at some point all right, so so here's my theory on how religion itself even started. And if you are a subscriber, okay, and if you are a religious person, you're probably a very kind one, and so I hope you know that you know that this isn't necessarily directed at you. That's fine, and I understand why a lot of people you know go to religions, uh, especially when it comes to you know around things like death and all this other stuff. I really do get why people want to hold on to concepts of the afterlife and all this. I get it. Okay, uh, so you know, just bear with me here. You already know I'm an atheist. You've known it for years, so you know, deal with what I'm going to say here. Um. With religion, you know, how it started, I think what happened is, I'm just guessing, and this isn't necessarily an original theory. Um, and that, oh, I do have one more question i got to get to, but I, I want to finish this up. I think some, some, some human in the Paleolithic, perhaps, you know, ate a mushroom, okay? They, 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 ate, they ate some mushroom, and... They started seeing, I don't know, purple colors or all some kinds of wacky shit. And suddenly, you know, they start, they have this incredible, like, you know, uh, uh, and please, I, I don't support people eating, or I, I'm not recommending, I should say. I'm not recommending people do drugs or, you know, take mushrooms or anything like that. I, I never have, and I have no interest in it myself. Um, but, they, you know, they, they just, they, there's this, you know, they had this experience where they saw a bunch of colors, you know, they felt like they were in God mode and Rise of the Triad or something. And they told, or Mushroom Mode in Rise of the Triad, they told, uh, you know, somebody else, they told other human beings in their tribe, perhaps, and they said, this is what I saw. And and it was such, like, a revelation, perhaps, of creativity. Not to say that humans without drugs aren't creative, they're incredibly creative. All right, it would have happened anyway. In fact, this level of creativity led, perhaps, to tyranny. And he, this guy who does this ends up becoming a priest, like the first priest, this, this person that took mushrooms perhaps. Okay. And, you know, has this wild experience that he can describe very vividly. And so because he can describe it so vividly, you know, the other humans around perhaps accept it as real, but this is the only guy that can do it. And so, you know, they start to pay him for what he is seeing. They, you know, they start to give him resources just for having this experience that is, by by very technical definition, a break from reality. It is not reality what this person is describing. I know some people want to say psilocybin connects you to another dimension or something. Uh, I have no evidence for that. No scientist would take that seriously. The concept that it is showing you some other kind of dimension or the, some higher plane of existence. Um, in fact, I, I, you know, I know some guys, some guys that I respect, like Graham Hancock and some others who I really enjoy their work uh, to some degree. I, I don't agree with them 100%. Um, you know, are really big on psilocybin and all that. Uh, but really, like genuine, he will tell you he's not a scientist. Okay, <laughs> a genuine scientist. Uh, you know, I, I don't think, I mean, how do, you, how do you prove that? You know? You can, you, you, know, you can kind of disprove it, <laughs> the laws of physics and all this. Um, but anyway, so, so this, this is how your priestly class starts. And this priest starts to call shots based upon, you know, he starts to, to make decrees based upon what he saw, you know, in a, in a you know, drug-addled vision. 
Um, and, and I think that's how the priestly class starts. And then that priestly class starts to def- wants to defend this good life that they are experiencing, right? Because, you know, they don't have to actually go out and work. They can just eat a mushroom every once in a while, tell people whatever the hell was going on, and, uh, and they get resources for it. Okay. Um, you know, and then, then eventually, you know, that turns into, yeah, that turns into a very primitive version of divine rights, and divine rights is where, you know, the, this concept of government come from. Now, you get into, uh, even from a Christian perspective, or even from, I should say, Judeo-Christian perspective, because even from a Jewish perspective, you have this kind of answer. You get into the works of Flavius Josephus, who was a historian, a Roman Jew, uh, first century, who may have been a contemporary. If Jesus existed, he was a contemporary of him. Um, he wrote in the Antiquities of the Jews and some of his other works, uh, Josephus writes about how the the first in in Bab, in Babylon or not well in Babel, yeah, <laughs> you had, you had Nimrod. Okay, Nimrod is this character in the Bible who's this great hunter. He's actually talked about in a very uh, not in a positive fashion, but in a, a complimentary fashion. Uh, Nimrod now is a, is a you know synonymous with the word idiot, uh, but that wasn't always so. Anyway, so you have Nimrod who was effectively the creator of, or the starter of Babylon, you know, the Babylonian empire. And Nimrod knew, or like the claim goes by Flavius is that Nimrod had to, to get people away from worshiping God, you know, from worshiping, you know, the the Tetragrammaton from worshiping Yahweh or however that's supposed to be pronounced. I don't think it's supposed to be Yahweh, but I don't know how it's supposed to be pronounced. Um, you know, from worshiping that, he had to create. Nimrod had to become God. He had to claim that he was God. He had to do the divine right of kings. And so, you know, I mean, the very, so, I mean, even in, in a Judeo-Christian sense, and that's if Christians want to accept the work of Josephus, he was speaking, you know, as a Jew, of course, uh, the concept of government is getting you away from God. All right, so so to some degree, you know, yeah, re- religion is the start of this, or is where governments kind of, you know, came out of. But even within a religious context, like governments by man or whatever are, are, are a very bad idea. And then you get into Romans 13, it all turns into this huge fucking mess. Uh, how people don't see that as being, you know, is that that's how all this broke down? Um, it, I don't know. You know, I, I think part of it, I think, is what I was hinting on earlier, is that religion really does come for people in very traumatic experiences. I can speak for that personally. When I was in the army, okay, I knew, I knew deep down that what I was doing in the army was wrong. Okay. You know, Afghanistan, Iraq, all that, you know, I knew what I was doing was wrong, but my brain, you know, and, and your brain can kind of either do two things. It can either rationalize it or you can go nuts. Maybe there's another option there, but I'm just speaking broadly here. And instead of me going nuts, thankfully, my brain, also not thankfully, but my brain tried to rationalize it. And how did it do that? It rationalized it because of what I learned early, you know, as a younger person about the Bible. And I would go into, oh, well, you know, in Isaiah 13, it says, or uh, yeah, in Isaiah 13, it says that Babylon, God will never allow Babylon to rise again. So me being in Iraq where, you know, uh, where Saddam was literally building the Babylonian lion's gate again. And in fact, even in his palace, you know, there's, there's a, the, 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 um, the mural of him with Nebuchadnezzar, you know, of Babylon and all that riding on a chariot with him and everything, um, that, you know, this was me fulfilling a divine order that 
Babylon cannot rise again. At least not until the end days, right? When the mystery of Babylon and all that, the great horror in Revelation. Um, you know, so, so I, that's how I rationalized it. Is religion, like, told me that, okay, no, this is a just war, right? The, the whole St. Augustine concept of just war. This is just a just war that I'm engaged in. So it comforted me. It kept me from going insane, you could say. But in reality, religion, at least in my opinion, as an atheist, religi- religiosity is its own insanity. Okay, so I didn't really get saved from going insane in some ways, uh, or, you know, by some definitions. Um, so religion, you know, I mean, because it was traumatic, you know, killing people is traumatic, folks. That's not new for listeners of, uh, of Sovereign Tech, you know, for, to hear from me. It's, it's, not, it's not a normal thing to do. It's very traumatic. A lot of the things I was doing was very traumatic. And so, you know, my, my brain ran, ran off to religion. So, you know, when we live in a society that is in and of itself so traumatic, I mean, right down to spanking children, which is horrendous, you know, and, and, and other things and even, you know, emotional traumas and all this. Uh, yeah, religion be, becomes this, you know, this great, this, this huge security blanket, even though its very existence is irrational. And I think government is a direct, absolutely, government comes right out of, uh, you know, comes right out of the concept of religion because religion creates the, the idea of faith, which is anti-reason, okay? It creates the concept of faith that, well, there's some things that just don't make sense, but it's the right thing to do. And so, you know, people flock to governments, even when you can so easily, logically prove that, you know, and reasonably prove that government is antithetical to life. It is antithetical to human growth. You can, it, it's, it's so simple. It's such a simple concept. When people finally get it, they just run with it and, you know, they become an anarchist in, in no time, right? <laughs> Unless, you know, they're crazy and they want their own power, then they just stay libertarians, I suppose. Um, but, you know, it, it, it's like that, but just people, for whatever reason, whatever traumas happen to them, they just, they hold on, um, you know, to that, to that, that mental security blanket, even though it's really not, you know, that is, that is religion. And so that, that's, I think that's what happens. I think that's, that's why they don't see it. They don't see it because it comforts them in, in some way. And, it, and it's sad. I, I mean, I empathize with people that need that kind of comfort. I really do. I feel terrible and I can totally, I can relate. I experienced it myself, but eventually you snap out of it, you know, and you realize where, you know, where the real problems are, you know, and that, and also that prayer doesn't solve shit and things like this. So Anyway, got into kind of a serious topic there. Um, I do have, I have one last question I want to get to because I told the person that I would definitely get into it. And it's not going to take me long, really, to even get into. Um, and it was, uh, this was actually sent through Patreon, which is very nice. Uh, hey, Brian, the latest episode with all the Agent uh, Sovereign intros was great. Of course, that was episode 185. We were talking about that earlier in, uh, in this uh, special. Uh, it was a lot of fun hearing them all together like that. But I've been wondering something since the 2099 episode. And Stallion breaking in the 2099 episode, if you've never heard this, uh, there is uh, I might have, special number 60, Sovereign Tech special number 60, I think. Or you can go to Sovereign Tech episode uh, 99B, where I, but you got to listen to the end of 99A as well. If you listen to the special, it's all put together. Uh, where I did a fictional episode where I claim to have gone, I, you know, traveled into the future in time, into the year 2099, and I did a whole episode of Sovereign Tech like it was coming from the future. It was a lot of fun. People loved it. They said it was one of the greatest audio works they've ever heard. Not just the best episode of Sovereign Tech or anything. They said it was genuinely one of the greatest audio works they've ever heard. So if you've never listened to that, please do check that out. Um, 
But anyway, so so with the 2999 episode, anyway, that's, you know, that was a fictional episode. Uh, at the end of that episode, you go back to 2014, this reading out with the email, because you can't live without Stephanie. That's always made me wonder if Stephanie will ever appear as herself in the Agent Sovereign storyline. So I'm going to touch on that. There's a second part to this. I'm going to answer that question first. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> uh, Stephanie has done such amazing work. Uh, also, Paige Peterson has done work as well as uh, one of the, the sovereign girls. I don't want to call them that. Uh, but, you know, as, as one of the leading ladies uh, for Sovereign Tech. I mean, Stephanie did the voice for, if you heard last week's episode of Sovereign Tech, uh, episode 185, Stephanie's done the, done the voices for uh, Natalia. Uh, for uh, Adelaide, she's done the voices um, for, was it Elizabeth? Uh, You know, every, (laughs) like, every female with, like, an accent. She's done all the different accents. And so, you know, that's been a great workout for her. She appreciates that, you know, great vocal workout. And eventually, yes, and, and of course, she did Jane Smith as well. She will play herself uh, at one point. But, you know, that's kind of like... It's saving, for lack of a better phrase, it's saving the big guns, right? <laughs> you know, saving the secret weapon. Um, so, yeah, she will be a part of it uh, coming up, and, and I guarantee it's actually going to be great. Uh, so let's see. Uh, also, at the here's the rest of the question. Also, at the very end of the updated version of the 2099 uh, episode, that's that special I mentioned, there's something malicious that comes back to 2015 to protect the ominous or to protect the blockchain. Of course, that's the ominous blockchain. Uh, will we be hearing more about that soon? Uh, thanks for another great episode. And thank you for the messaging and for being a donator, of course, uh, to everybody that, that sent questions in for this week's episode. Um, yeah, th- this, I, I will be getting into that. There was a character at the end. You have to listen to the very end and there is a character there. Um, and that character uh, will you know, that, that'll be a thing. <laughs> so, uh, and I have, I have another fictional episode. I, I'm happy to tell all of you, uh, I do have another fictional episode planned for just before episode 200. So you, you get the secrets out. That's what you get for being a donator. <laughs> uh, and that will have directly have to do, um, with, with that character that you heard at the end of the, uh, the updated version of 2099, which was the, the special episode of that. I'll put a link in the show notes for this episode, perhaps, so you can, you can hear that if you never did. Um, and that's, uh, yeah. All right. So that's it. That I'm, I'm, I'm done with all of that. Uh, I think that's enough questions for this week and actually went on a lot longer, um, than I was expecting. So, so, I mean, I want these generally to be like a half hour, but they've worked out to be an hour. And if, you know, let me, you can send me feedback if, if you like, if you want it to be something shorter, if you don't mind it being an hour in length, uh, let me know. Some will be two hours. Some of the specials uh, that I do are going to be, you know, very deep topic specials. And so those are going to have some real length to them, but maybe I can even release them in multiple parts, kind of like Brett, uh, Brett Vinod does of the great, uh, the great Brett Vinod, which he does uh, the equally great School Sucks uh, uh, podcast. Uh, you know, I like his format that he does there where he breaks it up into multiple episodes. So maybe I'll do something like that. Uh, but anyway, enough for this week. Thank you all so much uh, for donating, of course. Thank you for those that increased their donation amount uh, this week. Uh, you know, again, this is pay what you want, okay? So you can let me know what you think this is all worth or just do, you know, what you can. And, and, and I'm really honored uh, by everybody that does that. Thank you. Uh, hey, <laughs> there will be an episode of uh, a Sex and Science Hour today. Of course, this is being recorded on Friday. Uh, this will be July 29th. And uh, tomorrow, 
you know, Saturday, July 30th, you will, of course, have an episode of Sovereign Tech. Never missed. For four years now, we've had an episode every single week, all br- all brand new content. Uh, so you'll have that tomorrow to, uh, you know, you can get sweaty about that, you Sovereign Tech sweaty. Woo! <laughs> all right. Uh, uh, carpe Lucan. just experienced Sovereign Tech. Go to SovereignTech.com, that's S-O-V-R-Y-N-Tech.com, and connect with us there. Find links from today's show and catch our podcast feed. Sovereign Tech is copy heart. Copying art is an act of love, and love is not subject to law. So please, share the show however you like. Welcome to the evolution.